thank you so much for tuning in to Masterclass CX. This is our very first episode, and I'm delighted to have a CX expert with us today. I have Nate Brown, who's the director of customer experience at Arise. Apart from that, he's co-founded a nonprofit uh, called CX Accelerator. He's based out of Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, for for all the folks in the CX world, he's the best dressed man in CX. Nate, it's oh, a wow, pleasure to you. have you on, and thank you very much for dialing in from the United States. I clearly haven't done justice to to all the lovely stuff that you do for the CX world, uh, but if you could just very quickly take us through a little bit of your background and, and you know how we kind of got into um, customer experience, that's okay. Sure. Well, thank you, Nathan, and thank you everybody for for tuning in to this first masterclass. Very excited to be a part of it. Yeah, my name is Nate Brown. So I started uh, really in customer service. And and love that role as an agent, you know, just uh, like a hundred tickets a day, just just crushing those tickets and and helping people with adult learning software. Uh, but but eventually took ownership of that team and and started learning how to how to lead and and how to think more proactively around customer service. And then really what happened is we had different pieces of software come into the team and we were supporting occupational health nurses and doctors and things became very complex. Uh, but in a way, they didn't become complex enough because what kept happening is we would get to a point where we were answering the same questions again and again. Our customers were getting stuck at the same friction points again and again. And so I was like looking for a way. It's like, how can we more proactively try to resolve some of this upstream in the journey? And I didn't have the words yet, but but then I found them around 2014. It was customer experience, the overall thoughts and perceptions that the customers have of their journey and thinking more on that, that holistic level of, of what it looks like for them to navigate through those different milestones with us as an organization. And once I found CX, I jumped in with both feet. It was just consuming all the literature that I could and, and really tried to bring that to the organization I was working for at the time and, and had some success with that as a grassroots movement of customer experience and then was able to ordain that as a true role w within the organization and, and establish that as a function, and then uh, move forward into, uh, into a really exciting startup called Officium Labs and, and got to start uh, bringing CX um, to all different types of organizations and really amplify and accelerate that learning on, on my part and, and getting to do uh, a lot of different things, a lot of experimentation, a lot of curiosity inside of these different verticals and environments. Uh, so it's been a really fun few years. Officium was acquired by Arise in November, uh, so now I get to do all this great work uh, under an even bigger umbrella inside of the amazing organization that is Arise. So it's been a really fun few years, Nathan. Fantastic, Nate. Thanks so much for that. I clearly knew I didn't do justice to all of that you've done uh, for, for the customer experience world. Uh, so thanks, Dan, for that. Let's very quickly dive in then, Nate, you know, into really the crux of it. Clearly, Masterclass CX is, is more to bring about awareness into the customer experience as well, um, you know, and, and we could have, you know, viewers and listeners who are just about starting in that space, right? Um, so we really want to start with the basics. What, according to you, really is customer experience? Yeah, I, I love the Forrester definition, that, that idea of the thoughts and perceptions that people have towards the brand and, and the culmination of, of those perceptions. That, that's really customer experience through the lens of who we should be serving, the customer. And, and my favorite way to think about it more internally 
is that we get to make people's lives better and easier. We get to reduce that friction. We get to help be a guide for them. To use a story brandism by Donald Miller, we get to be an effective guide to bring the customer towards their definition of success. So the work of CX is understanding what that definition of success is and then bringing the role of guide back to the organization. Here's how we bring our customers there effectively, consistently, in a compelling way that's going to generate loyalty, that's going to bring share of wallet, renewal, retention rate. This is how we grow the business. This is how we succeed. We serve our customers well, and we earn the right to grow new customers. Perfect. And if you had to use an analogy for that, just, just so we are able to kind of bring that to life, might be something that yeah, I mean, in every world. I mean, it's a very common analogy, but it's hard to beat. I mean, it's, it's that idea of, of that overall journey. I mean, we're, we're navigating a path that has obstacles in the path. There, there are friction points. There are moments of truth. There, there are intersections along, along this journey that the customer is navigating. And, and sometimes the customer doesn't even really know yet exactly where they're trying to go. And so we get to be challengers in a good way and, and help bring clarity, help push them down, down this path, this journey that they're on in a way that's going to bring them into their desired outcome that maybe they didn't even totally understand when they engaged in this relationship with us as a guide. But because we know them so well, <laughs> because we can unpack the, the feelings and perceptions that they have, we're going to guide them to a really positive place and help them to become the person that they want to become. So in my mind, there's no better metaphor uh, for this work of CX than that idea of, of the journey that we're on together and us walking alongside the customer as the guide for them. Fantastic. And then I think there are two terms that are quite often interchangeably used. You have, you have customer experience on one end and then you have customer service on the other. And I think uh, people are slightly confused uh, between these two terms. So can you just talk through those, you know, the key differences between really uh, those, those two terms and and I think with that, we should be able to set the record straight. Yeah, and then we can layer on customer success and customer care and, and a, a bunch of other terms. But I think, I think it does begin there with, with CX, big CX, and, and customer service being a critical element of customer experience. And, and that really is the difference there. When we think about customer service, if, if we're using that idea of us navigating a path, this, this larger journey, in which we are in relationship with our customer, we're guiding them down this path, and something occurs that's a problem. <laughs> we need to resolve an issue to get us back onto the, the ideal path. That's where customer service gets to jump in and, and fix a problem, resolve an issue, bring us back into flow for the larger customer experience. And, and that's a critical, critical element because it's so likely that we're going to run into some issues. But, but that's why customer service is there, is, is to bring us back into flow, to be that defense when, when we need to be able to, to mitigate damage or resolve friction. Uh, they're experts in doing that. Absolutely. And, and clearly, I think customer service is such a key element within the entire customer experience space. Uh, I guess one cannot do without the other is essentially what you're saying. Yeah. Well, I mean, there, there are journeys where you will not engage in customer service. Because you went through a cycle in which you did not require their assistance. Um, so there, there would be cases where, where that would happen. Uh, but most of the time, a lot of the time, that, that customer service element needs to be there. And it's a critical, critical element of navigating that customer through to the desired outcome. 
good. And then, is customer experience as such more suitable to certain industries or certain size of organizations or could it kind of work across industries? Uh, because when I really look at it, right, I mean, we, we obviously know the, the, the larger organizations or Googles and Apples of the world are able to actually have customer experience programs. But then if we take it down one level you know, to the small and medium uh, enterprises, does a customer experience program really make sense to them? I think one thing is clear, the pandemic has, has I guess, just shaken businesses to say, hey, you know what, you have to be focusing clearly on the customer. Yeah, if you want to be sustainable, if you want to really kind of thrive. So I think that, that realization has come. But, but from your experience, do you think CX as a program is more suited to certain size of businesses or it could be across uh, different businesses? I've, I've been thinking about this question quite a bit, and I've, I've changed my answer recently, I think. So what, what I'm going to say, it's not a B2C thing. It's not a B2B thing. CX is incredibly relevant to, to both of those ideas. Uh, what, what it's also extremely relevant to is, is different sizes of organizations. But I, but I think where CX really has the opportunity to thrive and excel is when we have a certain depth of relationship with, with the, the client. With, with the business that we're serving or with the consumer that, that we're doing business with, if we're providing a, a really intimate service to them, something where we can enter into their lives with them and, and get to know that person and over the course of time, really be in relationship with them, that, that is where the principles of CX can really excel. If it's a very transactional relationship, if I'm just shipping you this thing that you're going to use one time and you'll probably never want to come back and buy again. Is CX still important? Yes, because we want them to love that one experience enough to rate us positively and to bring others into that situation where we can also have a transaction with their friends. So even in that ultra transactional scenario, CX is going to be important, but it becomes more important the more established the, the more intimate that relationship becomes. That, that's where we really get to think about over time, how can we be the best guide for this person? I mean, the, the way I kind of think about it, you know, I, I obviously once I've kind of gotten to the CX world, I've been thinking more about this and in my daily interactions, you know, I try and figure out, hey, you know what, how are, you know, these businesses trying to be customer centric? And, um, you know, typically on, on the weekend when we go out for breakfast, there's that one restaurant that we always want to visit. Uh, and it's not necessarily because they have great food. Yes, they do have great food. Uh, but it's also just the way they make you feel. You know, very welcome. Uh, he exactly knows, you know, our favorite dishes. Um, so, you know, it, it's that whole experience and that feeling of really, you know, getting there, having that, uh, you know, that small talk. I think that's the whole bit, um, you know, that, that really makes a difference uh, when, when you consider customer experience. Oh, yeah, I love that, Nathan. I mean, it, it really does come down to what, what's going to be worth it for us as, as we make this decision. I mean, we, we have this one random little Mexican restaurant that we love. There's so many Mexican restaurants around where the same Cisco truck shows up with the same frozen food and it's microwaved in the same way. But we know this one person, this, this guy, Noel, is an incredible server and he creates an amazing experience for us. And we have a table we love to sit at the food is, is marginal at best, but still, even in that scenario, they create a, a, a micro experience for us that's fun and compelling, 
and enough to where it generates loyalty for us. And and we have a Saturday morning breakfast place, Maple Street Biscuit Company. And they, and they just knock it out of the park. It's it's so fun. So it becomes a little bit of a tradition. And what happens, Nathan, is suddenly my identity, who who I am as a person starts to it starts to be compiled in some way by these organizations, these brands that that we develop affinity towards. <laughs> and, and that's what great CX can do. We develop this little sense of identity uh, inside of these brands with us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and that was really taking a, a small little restaurant that, you know, we visit over the weekends. But then when, when I kind of compare that to, let's say, an Apple, Apple on the other, on, on the other end as well, completely kind of blows you away. So, you know, I picked up this phone some time back and, you know, used for a couple of days, didn't really, you know, like it for whatever reason. And I went back and, and without exaggeration, just took me six, 60 seconds to have that refund process. It was brilliant. No questions asked. So I think, you know, uh, we, we kind of see this in, in both spectrums. Some more conscious. I think Apple's a bit more conscious in terms of, hey, let's make the customer really feel good. Probably in the restaurant also, but might not, you know, term it as customer experience as such. Uh, but they probably do it in their own little way. Yeah, you know, the, the organizations that I've been really thinking about are, are Chewy, Chewy.com and Lego. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're, they're just knocking it out of the park in terms of developing this brand affinity, doing an incredible job, both in that customer service element. <laughs> I had a problem and, and you need to demonstrate to me that you care about me enough to fix this. But then that larger wrapper of, of that CX conversation of we, we want to be a part of your life a little bit. We want to, we want to guide you somewhere a little bit different and, and make you become the person that you're trying to become. And, and, and yeah, we're going to help you to do that. It's awesome. Perfect. Perfect. Great. So let's just assume, you know, we, we have a, a small medium enterprise, heard about customer experience, you know, want to, you know, jump on that particular bandwagon. What could be a good way for them to get started, you know, without massively investing in large kind of programs? What do you recommend is a, is a good way for them to get started? Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, all CX begins with voice of customer. I mean, it's, it's both the starting line. And if there was one, it would be the finish line. Because <laughs> voice of customer, I mean, if, if we think about what CX is, again, it, it's those thoughts and perceptions that people have towards us as a brand. If we jump into this work and start making assumptions about what people feel about us and start making changes to that journey based on our own assumptions and hypotheses, we're not going to get it right. We're, we're going to miss the mark on that. We're going to maybe serve one group of customers a little bit better and, and actually diminish, <laughs> uh, fragment the experience for another group of customers because we haven't done that work of really understanding who we're serving. And in what ways and how we can improve that journey for those, those, core, per, those core personas that we've created. So that idea of, of standing up that voice of customer engine, to use a Gene Bliss term there, uh, it's so critical so that you know what you actually need to jump in and start changing. Otherwise, this work, you can't, you can't start it yet. You haven't earned the right to begin until you really understand those thoughts and perceptions that, that your customers have about you. Then as you make changes... You can see, wow, did this change we make, did this impact their life in the way we expected? Did this improve the journey? And how do we know? And then that, that kind of milestone is not a finish line because there's no finish line to this work, but that celebration moment where you can say, here's the impact that we had on the business. 
Here's how we were able to grow our customer base by volume and value <laughs> and increase that share of wallet and start to grow this, this asset of our customers. Again, to use a Gene Bliss-ism there, I mean, that's how we sustainably grow a business through great CX is earning the right to do more business with more customers by serving our existing ones really well. Uh, you can't you can't do that. You can't paint that picture without a really strong voice of customer engine. No, absolutely. And and when we talk about voice of customer, what method would you recommend we start to use? You know, to actually bring in that that or funnel all of that that information. Yeah, I mean, it it can be as simple as this. I'll give you an example from Brad Cleveland uh, from from the book Customer Experience Management. And uh, there's a restaurant in in California. And they just walk around all day with with three by five note card, a three by five note card. As they hear customer feedback, as they see things that that lead to a, a guest perception uh, of of what they were experiencing in that restaurant, just jot it down quickly. And at the end of the day, they come together and they review the things that they learned about their guest experience, and they talk through how they can make it even better the next day. So that daily cadence of them listening, learning, getting better every day. I mean, that, that right there is an amazing voice of customer system. <laughs> and it's not a system. Notice it's not a system. It's a three by five note card. Uh, but then as we scale up and as we need to reach into these areas of unstructured, meaning we as an organization did not create a path for the feedback. It just exists out in the world in the form of review sites, in the form of, of uh, just uh, vernacular uh, conversations that are being had that we were able to record maybe in the customer service area or, or just document uh, organically. Um, they're out there in third-party communities. The, the, these conversations are happening about how people feel about us. We need to be able to pull those in. So that's where a really good customer experience management platform uh, becomes critical uh, is, the, is that ability to take both structured and unstructured data centralize it, tag it, organize it in ways that we can see the trends and understand what's going on there, and then be able to, over time, show when, when we change this, when we reduce this friction point, when we make this modification, how, how that actually amplified or changed the customer feedback that we're getting. Absolutely. And I think the, the bit around structured and unstructured data, I think, is quite critical as well. Right? I mean, when you have structured data, I think it's a bit slightly more easier to kind of analyze it. The minute it becomes unstructured, yeah. I think that's where you really need to kind of you know put the effort and the energy to really figure out what is our customer really telling us. Uh, I'm not too sure if you've had any experience on, on how we can smoothen out that process. Well, I mean, it, you make a great point. In, in uh, most in most scenarios, uh, upwards of eighty percent of of the customer feedback data that's available is going to be in that unstructured environment. So if you're depending on structured, you're, you're not getting a good holistic picture of it. Um, so, the, I mean, to answer your question, it's really just as simple as be where your customers are talking. Be capable of listening wherever they're talking about you. But then think through like a customer journey map and, and the fact that you have different touch points there, different critical elements of the, the larger customer journey. And ask the question right here. Do we have the ability to understand what customer is going through and think about the listening path channel structured and unstructured on that touch point? And, and if you know, if you know what that looks like, awesome. And then, and then pull them into that centralized engine. But if you don't have feedback there, if you haven't developed that listening path capability in that area, then it's time to introduce a structured path 
or, or even in some ways create an, an unstructured environment like a user community. A user community is so valuable to generate this organic feedback flow. It is structured in the sense of you created the community, but it's unstructured in the sense of it's very organic. It's an expression, authentic expression of how people feel as they navigate this journey with you. Um, so having that capability to use machine learning, AI, other things to take text blocks, <laughs> to take even maybe like uh, video snippets and things like that, and to process that in the form of customer sentiment, in the forms of themes and, and things that really matter, keywords and, and things of that nature, you're going to need that capability to do anything at scale. Excellent. I think one bit that, that you know, organizations really struggle with is in terms of response rates uh, to surveys. Yeah. I think everyone's, you know, uh, you know, receives a survey for almost everything. Clearly, there should be a way to kind of improve response rates. Any recommendations that you have at all, in terms of actually improving those response rates. It's right here. <laughs> if, if you have a, a, a mobile-friendly, very clean UI survey that is delivered in a timely way and, and that you can establish some credibility, some trust there, that it's going to be a short and, and good survey experience for them, then, then you might get upwards of 10 to 15% response rate. Whereas a traditional email survey... We're down, we're down around 2% at, at your best, best scenario. Uh, so this right here, <laughs> done in a very timely, a very friendly way, is, is absolutely your best bet. Clearly, I mean, you know, sending out surveys and not receiving responses is just wasted effort, uh, to be honest. So, no, I think that's great. And then not being as dependent on the surveys. There, there are times where it makes sense to ask. And there's a specific question that we want to ask. And, and get that response rate on. I mean, especially that, that qualitative uh, feedback can be so rich if we're asking an intelligent question. One of my favorite questions to ask is, is it easy to do business with us? And if not, why not? Where, where was that friction for you? I mean, that you can get a treasure trove of information from, from a question like that. But we don't want to be dependent on surveys. The customer is already expressing mm -hmm. feedback somewhere. And or we can reach into that interaction ourselves because we were there for it and we can see and understand using the tools that we have, we can understand how that interaction wit went without us having to go back and ask, how did that interaction go? <laughs> yeah. we, we can be pretty smart about yeah. that. Yeah. And I think just, just I mean, all this is really great, you know, to, to, from a customer experience standpoint. What, what are the ways to avoid a, a CX program failing? I'm sure, you know, if, if you read some of the stats out there, um, customer experience is great, but, yeah. you know, companies don't necessarily see the, the return on investment. And, and why? I guess some of those pieces that, that companies need to avoid to make those you know, costly mistakes. What a, what a great question to be thinking about. And I, I remember some, some classic research by Bob Thompson on customer think. I think it was 2018 or 19 at this point. So getting a little aged there, but uh, I mean, he, he hypothesized that upwards of 90% of, of CX initiatives were failing to bring meaningful value back to the organization. It was, it was a terrifying statistic um, that was well thought out by, by Bob Thompson. And I know many others have, have validated with, with similar numbers. So why, why do so many of these initiatives fail? Why, I think um, a, a word you used is, is part of it, uh, a CX program. If we think about it as a program, yeah, we're destined to fail because a, a program has 
a start and a finish. It, it's a it's a box. It's this little it's a program that we're going to plug in and do, and then it's over. The CX is completely different than that. I mean, we're talking about the lives of people. We're talking about the the journey that they're on, big time, big journey, big big J. <laughs> And, and this is going to extend over time. And it's, it's a, a science that we're always tuning and, and changing and learning as that VOC engine comes in and refreshes. Wow, here's what we need to do now. Here's how our customers have changed. They're thinking differently. The journey has navigated on this new path. And now we have to show up as the guide in a different way. The work is always changing. So if we think about it as a program, it will fail as a program. But if we think about it as a way of doing business long-term in a customer-centric way and bringing that mentality into our people, embedding that inside of them and, and making them proud and excited to serve in these ways, aligning people in terms of what that journey looks like and how they get to be the guide together in a compelling way, I mean, that, that work never ends. But, but we do have to demonstrate value over time as well, or else these executives, rightfully so, they're going to get tired of it. They're going to assume that it's not working. This CX thing, we tried it. It didn't work. We got to move on to whatever else I read in Harvard Business Review. We don't, we don't want CX to be lumped in to that. We don't want it to become another digital transformation statistic that, that came and went to some degree because, oh my goodness, digital transformation, maybe another, another time. What a mess. And something that sadly has really cannibalized and, and has destroyed big parts of the customer journey. <laughs> uh, that digital experience is so important. We've done such a poor job in most cases evolving that, that digital part of the journey. But I, I, I regress. Uh, it's, it's really about, wow, you know, how can we think long-term here, set expectations with the executives of this is a long-term culture change. It's really a culture change, as, as Annette Franz would say. And, and here's the things we're going to do, and here's how we're going to measure those over time to show how these, these CX things that we're changing uh, can, can help to, to grow our existing customer relationships, help to bring in new customer relationships, and, and having that VOC engine in place to be able to show the success of that over time. That, that's really how we embed this work and, and make it grow. You touched upon culture a bit. Could you just spend a couple of minutes talking about culture? Because I think that's a critical element um, in, in all of this. Yeah, I mean, my favorite definition of culture is simply how we do things. So if you think about how we do things inside of our organization, are we doing things in a way that, that is customer-centric, that, that is guiding the customer well, that, that's reducing friction for them along that journey? to where we're demonstrating that we care about their voice and that we're able to close the loop on that and bring meaningful feedback back to them based on the, the gift of their feedback. I mean, th there's so many of those attributes show the culture. <laughs> do, do we really care about our customers or not? Do we really care about our employees or not? Uh, is this an organization that exists for the sake of itself? <laughs> where we're all just checking boxes in the soul of this place walked out three years ago, and nobody even really noticed. So many organizations have fallen into, into that state of mind versus an organization that has a clear brand promise. Hey, we're doing something special. We're doing something so unique. We're the best in the world at doing this thing. Here's the difference we're making inside of our communities. Let, let's, let's grow some pride around that. 
Here's what it looks like to, to be an ambassador inside of this organization. And here's how we serve our customers in this unique and compelling way. <laughs> Let, let's get excited about that each day and, and foster those intrinsic motivators over time so that the people working in the organization, they're doing meaningful work. There's a purpose there. They're becoming the people that they want to become because they're, they're serving well and they're, they're learning, they're growing. They're getting to do new things and, and add to their capabilities as they learn how to be a better guide over time. <laughs> and and there's, there's curiosity, there's excitement as well about the work. And this is all coming from Prime uh, to Perform, which is really talking about what makes a great workplace culture. What, what creates a culture where we want to be there and the work is meaningful. And it was those three things I just talked about versus an organization where we become a victim of our job. <laughs> And we're just there because we're, it's inertia. We're basically just glued in our chair and we're stuck there for some reason. We're dependent on the, the financial scenario. We're dependent on uh, some relationships that, that have, have collected on us over time. And we need to break free of, of those, some of those dependencies and start to view the work again of, wow, we get to do something amazing. And, and that's what a, a level five. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm throwing books at you at this point, but this has been amazing yeah. for me. This has been so challenging tribal leadership, I mean, that, that's where you get to a great culture is you are, you feel like you're making history together. You're doing something really special in, in this tribe together. And you're so unified. You're so galvanized inside of this group and loyalty is the result, both inside the organization and outside of it with your customers. When, when you can get to that point together. I think we just have a couple of more questions to go Nate, uh, before I let you go. Um, one myth, you know, with regard to customer experience that you'd like to debunk here? Yeah. Okay. I think uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll use one that I fell into, you know, early in my career. And that is that the CX team does CX, that, that you got to have a, a team of people who is absorbing CX into themselves to then do CX on behalf of the organization. You can't do it that way. It's impossible. I mean, the, the reason the CX team exists is to unlock the work and bring the work of CX to everybody else in the company <laughs> to help them understand why customer centricity is so important and what that even looks like. Let's, let's bring some common terminology to, to this organization in terms of how we serve our customers, what it looks like to be the guide here, what our unique brand promise is, and, and, then, and then guide people to these behaviors <laughs> that, that, that look like a good gift, <laughs> a gift that we're giving to our people and that they can give to, to the customer. I mean, that, that is something that we get to do for the entire organization rather than trying to pull CX into us and be jealous with the work. So that, that's a myth that took me a couple of years to really understand. And, and thank goodness that I, I figured that out because I was a very ineffective CX leader when I was being selfish with the work. Quickly do a, a, a rapid fire if that's all right. Yeah, cool. Chatbots or live agent chat? What do you prefer? Oh, I, I like live agent chat. I've, I've had some really fun interactions. Uh, B&H photography was one. Uh, I, I love uh, asking questions and kind of off the wall conversation with the live chat people. It's fun. Do you prefer online surveys or more focus groups to bring in, you know, voice of personal feedback? Oh, I, I mean, you, you got to use both for different scenarios. You're going to get a totally different type of VOC feedback from those two different things. Um, so absolutely pursue both of those for, for different purposes. Net promoter score. Good, bad, 
original net promoter score. I mean, it's, it's old enough to have its own driver's license. It, it's it's crazy to me how prevalent NPS still is in this world of CX and how addicted executives can get to this this hypothetical number. I mean, even NPS has moved way on from NPS. There's now NPS 3.0, which if you look at it, it's a composite metric that is brilliant. It's it's completely different than the original NPS score. So even even they, <laughs> the net promoter system people, would tell you, stop using NPS as this end-all, be-all CX metric. It's not going to do the job and, and evolve to the modern set of CX metrics that we have. And then the last one, country music or pop music, since you're from Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, well, I mean, we have people like Taylor Swift and Florida Georgia Line. I don't have to pick. Uh, the, the country stars become pop stars these days. Uh, but I, I would definitely say for, for me personally, uh, I'm going to go with country. I am a mandolin player. <laughs> Good. Good stuff. Great. I think that, you know, uh, first episode of Masterclass CX. Thank you so much for, for coming on and making the time. It's been brilliant chatting with you. Um, and I'm sure we're going to, you know, catch up in person uh, very soon. But just before you go, do you want to let our listeners know uh, as to where they can find you online? Um, you know, CX Accelerator for that matter. You can just, just leave us with that. Oh, I would love that. Thank you. Yeah, CX Accelerator on Twitter, on, on LinkedIn. Uh, and then definitely check out Arise as well for uh, for a great burst capacity capability to extend your customer service capabilities. Uh, Arise is awesome when it comes to to gig CX. So CX Accelerator and Arise, and, and thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. Thank you, Nathan. Perfect. Have a good one, Nate.